great day, great day, everyone. So I win. That means you lose. You win. Get both. So how good are you at your win-win communication skills? Today on the Coffee with Rhonda show, we're going to share some strategies and some techniques, and we're going to talk about how you can improve your negotiation skills to get more of what you want. Are you ready to learn to lead above the grind? Let's go. All right. <laughs> All right, everybody. I'm going to stop this for just a bit because there's something weird happening with the technology. So I think, let me do this. Everybody mute out. All right. We're going to rewind. Okay. All right. Something really weird is happening with the technology. I don't know what it is. Stop this for just a bit because there's something. All right. We are going to rewind and we're going to do this again because you know what? We're on location in beautiful Anguilla and this is just really not a thing again. So we're going to start all over again. Welcome everyone. So sorry for the technical challenges. So I win, but that means you lose. You win, but that means I lose. How about if we would both win-win? So today on the Coffee with Rhonda show, we're going to talk about techniques and strategies to help position you better to get more of what you want so that we can both win. We're going to do this again because this song is just too cool to mess up. So are you ready to learn to lead it above the grind? Let's try this again. for your patience. I'm hoping that that's the only weird thing that happens today <laughs> in this show, although probably not. So just be prepared for that. So welcome to the Coffee with Rhonda show. And um, we are excited to be back with you for another episode. This is episode 63. And today we're going to be talking about negotiation. And we're going to be talking about the art of negotiation, but not just any old negotiation. We're going to be pulling in the art of feminine negotiation. I am actually on location in Anguilla. It is a beautiful island. If you have not been here, hopefully that doesn't cause any craziness behind me. I was just as 
determined for you all to see what a beautiful place this is. So we're going to roll with that today. So um, with all of that being said, my name is Rhonda Y. Williams, and I'm your host for the show. I am known as an RSO or a recovering stressed out leader, and I invite you to join me in my recovery and in this whole thing of deciding that we are going to live, lead, and learn, and love differently. We're going to lead from a place above the grind where we are embracing our ability to learn and to do it in a way that serves us. So uh, what I have today in my cup is I'm actually drinking a cup of pink Moscato today. So it is noontime here. So just in case y'all get a little judgy, it is noontime here. <laughs> So all of that is okay. So thank you so much for joining us and tuning in. So we're going to introduce our co-host today, and then we're going to also introduce our special guest. Before we do that, if you have not liked or shared the video already, please take a moment to do that. If you have not subscribed to our YouTube channel, you can do that to stay tuned in and connected to all of the great information that we share with you on a regular basis. So let's move forward. Let's start. We're going to introduce our co-host, Ms. Roz Jones, one of our caffeinated co-hosts. Good morning, Roz. Good morning, everybody. How are you doing? This is Roz Jones. As you know, you never know where I'm going to be for week to week. But anyway, I'm traveling with a client. And I am the CEO and owner of Vegetables for Caregivers, where we help expand the life of your loved one. Why do I do it? I do it to help the caregiver reduce that SOS on their journey, which means stress, overwhelmed, and provide a safety of security. When you can't do it all, give us give a call. Her a call. <laughs> thank you. Thank you, Roz. It's great to see you on the move this morning. And so it's evening for you, Ms. Murray. Good morning. Good evening to you evening and uh, we've gone back an hour so it's midnight it's actually uh sunday for me so sunday morning so welcome everyone this is marie tuning in from perth in australia and uh you know who i am the greatness engineer making sure people understand they have this greatness inside of them and really unleash unleash it wherever it matters and wherever they can make a difference. And today I'm going to be fully caffeinated because I have another event after that. So I have coffee. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Thank you so much, Murray. And while we're getting started, okay, if you are out there, don't forget to tell us where you're watching from. And don't forget to tell us what you have in your cup if you're watching. So with that, we're going to introduce our special guest. I had the uh, wonderful pleasure of meeting this amazing lady in person. And I will just say, as amazing as she's going to be on the show today, she really is all that and a bag of chips. So welcome to the show, Cindy. Tell us a little bit about you, who you are, and what you have in your cup. And I think I muted you so. There we go. I've got myself unmuted. Well, I am humbled to be in such great company. Love this international crowd. So uh, great to be here. And likewise, everything that you said when I met you resonated. So I am absolutely thrilled to be here. Awesome. Awesome. So tell us a little bit about you, Cindy, a little bit about what you do. And then if you have a cup, tell us what you have in your cup. You betcha. Well, I've been a social justice attorney for over 30 years now. Amazing how quickly time flies. And more recently, I'm also the founder of Women on Purpose and the creator of the Art of Feminine Negotiation and Persuasion program. So after 30 years of practicing law, I recognize that 
everything we thought we knew about negotiation is actually based on myths and it holds people back from being the best version of themselves and women in particular. So now I'm really on a mission to help people reframe negotiation, how we look at what it is and how we do it, and in particular to help women leverage their power to be able to get more of what they want and deserve. I always say from the boardroom to the bedroom, in other words, both personally and professionally. And in my cup, I've got this uh, beautiful thermos here where I actually admit I'm just having water. But when you were describing that hot chocolate earlier as we were getting ready, that's got me just chomping at the bit to go make some. <laughs> awesome. Thank you so much, Cindy. And it's great to have you here. And, um, and so I think that's one of the things that really um, caught my attention when I uh, met you and I heard you speak. And then I see some of the work that you do, even on Clubhouse around this. So let's start by talking a little bit about negotiation. But first, I want to say good morning to a few folks out there. So mom is out there. Good morning, mom. Looking forward to another enlightening and exciting show. I have frozen white grape juice in my coffee with Rhonda cup today. Mm -hmm. All right, go ahead, mom, with your coffee with Rhonda cup. That's awesome. Thank you so much. Um, my dear friend, Noosh is out there. Hello, Nusheen. Excited for another episode. Thank you so much for tuning in. And then we have Victoria out there. She says, good morning. I was thinking it was my network. Nope, it wasn't you. It was all me. <laughs> <laughs> so Carmen is out there and Carmen said, that's the morning. Yes. Thank you so much. I'm assuming you're talking about the view behind me, Carmen. And that was my goal was to be able to share. Stephanie says, Rhonda, she said that intro is everything. <laughs> Thank you so much. Thank you. And then Stephanie said, feminine negotiation, I'm all ears. All right. So we're going to do just a couple more. Say hello, Amina. Thank you. She's watching from South Africa. Thank you so much for joining us. We appreciate having you. Michael, who was a guest on the show last week, if you haven't seen his episode, he's out there. Hello, Michael. And then David is out there as well. It says, grateful day. Okay. Good morning. Good morning. Good morning, everyone. Let me bring back in our other co-hosts. All right. So let's get started with stories of negotiation. And one of the reasons I want to start with stories of negotiation, Cindy, as we were talking, I think we're often negotiating and we don't even know it, right? We are not even aware of the fact that we're in a negotiation. So I want to ask um, first, any of the co-hosts, do you have a story of a time where you negotiated either knowingly or maybe later you looked back and thought, Gosh, I was in a negotiation and didn't even realize it. So if you do, then feel free to unmute and I'll have you share your story first. I know Cindy has one to share as well. Miss Roz, I see you unmuted. Recently, I was doing a, uh, attempting, let's say, to do a brand deal with uh, with a company. And, you know, they were asking me about my social media numbers. And so when I was trying to find out from them, okay, what do you want me to do? How do you want me to do it? How are we going to work together? They wanted me to do all the work, but they didn't want to pay me anything. They wanted, you know, they wanted to be, they wanted my community. They wanted to get in for the numbers, right? And, you know, they wanted me to, you know, have their logo everywhere. But I said, again, you know, what is the benefit for me? You know, so a lot of times we get excited about these brand deals, collaborations, but sometimes it's one-sided. So I guess I'm trying to figure out, you know, even though, you know, they want the benefit, you know, it, you know, eventually there was no, um, there was no benefit for me. I had to say no, but could, could there have been a way where I could have, um, 
Maybe got a little something, something, uh, sister attorney lady. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> we starting out the gate with questions. All right. So hold, hold that thought for a minute, though. I, but I wanted to see, Marae, did you have a story that you wanted to share? And I want to come back to Roz's question because I do think it's an important one. Yeah, I have, I have actually a lot, but I think the, the major one was the reason why I, I left corporate because uh, I felt like I was doing a lot of work, was not noticed. So I, you know, I decided to talk to my boss about, you know, getting a promotion. And uh, so we started a promotion and obviously it didn't go really well. And I think it's because I was a bit too emotional. I didn't really prepare myself to to really know the outcome that I wanted. Yes, I wanted the um, you know the the, the promotion, but I, I didn't really know the details. So I went into it unprepared, and so it was unsuccessful, which led to me to resign and say, okay, bye bye. I don't want. And then you know he wanted to reconvene, but I just said no. I'm not gonna you know uh, go back to the on the table. I'm just gonna just leave. And that's how I started actually my own consultancy. So in a way I lost the, you know, the argument, but uh, it led me to another, you know, another journey, which I really like. <laughs> Thank you, Marae. I love the idea about the recognizing the emotional aspect mm -hmm. that you brought to it and that you felt like you were unprepared. So mm -hmm. that's sort of two pieces that we have there. So I'm going to answer a question really quickly out there. Maria says, excuse me, Rhonda, where are you? I'm in Anguilla on a beautiful <laughs> little island of Anguilla, Maria. So that's where, uh, that's what you see behind me uh, today. Um, and so, so Cindy, I want to come to you and I want you to share your story. And then I want to go back and we're going to circle back to Roz's question. Yeah, definitely. It's interesting. I think Roz's question actually ties in with Maria's as well. So we'll get two two for the price of one, sort of bang for the buck. And I got to say, I'm so jealous with that gorgeous backdrop. We've got snow here today and I'm looking at your beautiful backdrop. So jealous. So yeah, the story that I um, would probably share is the one that is, I believe now, I wasn't aware of it at the time, but the genesis actually for my Art of Feminine Negotiation program. Because one of the things I came to learn uh, is that all of life is a negotiation. You know, whether you're negotiating with your kids, with your intimate partner, with the bank, with an insurance company, with a service provider, or multi-million dollar deals, they are all a form of negotiation. But we don't think of most of those as a negotiation. And so the example I would give as an attorney, um, you know, I was very much early in my career bought into that myth. You know, you come out of law school, you're a fresh faced 20 something year old. And I'm in this totally male dominated uh, niche within a, within an already male dominated industry. And I thought, geez, I got to get scrappier if I'm going to be taken seriously and have my voice heard. So my clients called me the Barracuda which they meant as a compliment. And I am embarrassed now to say I wore as a badge of honor because I bought into that myth that negotiation is all about toughness, right? You got to bring that take no prisoners approach to be successful because that's how we've been conditioned to define negotiation. And then we ended up, we had our firstborn child. And after two months, 
you know, she ended up getting diagnosed with a very serious heart defect. And there's a whole story behind that. I kept being told by my doctor that I was being paranoid. She was fine. And I don't even know what made me go for a second opinion. Call, call it, you know, feminine intuition. But I went and tracked down a pediatrician, got a second opinion. And unbeknownst to me with, you know, they say the universe is perfect. He ended up being a cardiac specialist. And within minutes, we went from being told that I was paranoid, she was fine, to you need to get to the hospital for sick kids right away. And I'm going to have a cardiologist just waiting an emergency for you. And we're like, what the heck is happening? And then everything that could go wrong went wrong. And you see the image there. This was Jade, uh, my daughter. And um, we ended up being there for almost three months, Rhonda. It was like everything that could go wrong went wrong. If 99% of the population reacted one way, Jade was always that 1% that reacted the other way. So at first, of course, like most of us do, you trust the experts, right? So I'm just, and I would raise some questions tentatively, like, well, that doesn't make sense to me. What about this? And you'd be, you know, hush hushed. And after a couple of times where it turned out that my intuitions were right, I started really just uh, leaning in and going toe to toe with some of the leading cardiologists in the world and trusting my intuition because I was there 24 seven, sleeping on a cot, sleeping on the floor, did not leave that hospital for that almost three months. And we ended up reaching these milestones where, you know, they would object. As you can see in this picture, Jade was on a ventilator, couldn't breathe on her own. And I wanted her off the ventilator and they said, no, she's not ready. And so we, I insisted that we get off the ventilator and uh, it was nerve wracking because we're counting down and they told me she wasn't ready. And what do I know? I'm not a doctor. And so they do the timer and they take the tube out and they've got an emergency team standing by to do an reintubation and they're counting down and she's not breathing and she's not breathing. And then everybody's like, that's it. We need to reintubate. And I don't even know where it came from, but I'm like, wait, just give us five more seconds. And they stay, everybody sort of freezes. And then the one nurse just starts counting five. And I'm just willing, come on, Jade, please, baby, breathe. You know, four, take my strength. You're stronger than, you know, three, come on, Jade, you can do this. You can do this, you know, two. And then finally at one, it's like a, you know, a bad movie. Then she takes that first breath on her own in months. And then they came to us saying that, you know, Jade wasn't responding. They needed to operate again. And uh, I'm like, no, I mean, look at that picture. She's at almost, you know, five months old at this stage and she's still back at her birth weight. And, uh, and the cardiologist says to me, fine, if you won't let us operate, but we don't think she'll make it and it'll be on your head. Like, wow, wrong thing to say to the wrong person at the wrong time. So then they realize they've stepped in and they're backpedaling and they bring down the chief cardiologist and he's like, mom, what is it you think? Very patronizing, right? What is it you think we're not doing or haven't done? And so I listed and to their credit, they went and he said, if we do what you're asking and she doesn't respond, will you let us operate? I said, if you do what I'm asking, and she doesn't respond. I'll be begging you to operate, but I need to know we're at the end of the rope. And sure enough, they started doing some of which were pretty common sense, frankly, but they started invoking everything we'd asked for. And within a week, we were out of critical care into the cardiac ward and on our way home. It was like this miraculous turnaround. And sorry for the long context, but the thing that I learned in that, and I wasn't even aware of it at the time, you would have thought when we were literally fighting for her life every day, if there was ever a time I would have really brought that masculine barracuda energy, that would have been it. And yet I didn't. I was coming from a pure place of feminine intuitive power, just totally in mama bear mode. And it was in the benefit of hindsight 
that I recognized because and years later, fast forward, I created the Art of Feminine Negotiation program and all of my models around it. And then I was looking back and thought, oh my gosh, every one of these foundational elements that make my Art of Feminine Negotiation program, I was using without even knowing it back then, negotiating for my daughter's life. And that was the basis of that my what I call my R fit model, where I was bringing rapport and building with, you know, with the doctors, with the nurses, with the administrators. I was bringing empathy to the table, trying to commiserate with them, whether it was about budget cuts or nurses being unappreciated by the doctors and, you know, the administrators dealing with bureaucracy. I had to be flexible as the ground just shifted beneath our feet every day, being able to stay flexible. I trusted my intuition. Frankly, I became a lawyer because I, you know, I, I sucked at math and science, and and yet suddenly this terminology and medical terms that I had never heard of before. It says you just as if you're channeling it. So trusting that intuition and right. building trust, and then ultimately being assertive as well. So that our fit model of negotiation served me every day for the three months that we fought to save Jade's life. Oh my gosh, Cindy. First of all, thank you for sharing that story. And um, and there's so much in there, I think, for all of us to be able to connect with and, and to learn about connecting with our own. So one of the things that you said, and I want to try to tie this back to Roz's question, there's this masculine energy and there's this feminine energy. And we have been taught to bring that we need to show up in that masculine energy in order to really win. But is it important, and Roz, this goes to your question, is it important to define what winning even is, right? How do we know if we're really winning? And is there only one way to win? And so, um, Roz, I think that is a part of the answer to your question. But Cindy, I want you to speak to the question as well when Roz says, is there something that I could have taken out of this, right? Yeah. Is there something that I could have out of this um, this situation. Yeah, I love that question. And when you speak about that masculine and feminine, it's the thing I ended up doing my TEDx talk on. I called it the rise of the feminine voice as the key to our future because we all have masculine and feminine energy. And the problem is for so long, we have been taught and conditioned to define success, both in negotiation and business and life generally, based on that more masculine competitive model. And as a result of that, both men and women end up sort of seeing, and myself included, I confess for many years, we see our feminine attributes as a liability and we shy away from them. We stifle them thinking that it's the other direction that we have to go in to be successful. And in fact, the opposite is true. So I'd say a couple of things in answer to Roz's question. And one is negotiation doesn't need to be a competition. And in fact, you know, my mission to reframe is that negotiation works best when both parties show up with a truly collaborative mindset. And at the front end, most people aren't showing up in that mindset because of that conditioning. But when you show up looking to truly meet and understand the needs of the other party, then that dramatically changes the game. If you're looking to actually meet their needs, and fine, if I come thinking I want X in a negotiation and you come thinking you want Y, in that competitive win-lose model that you're talking about, I'm going to just be fighting for X and I don't want to give up anything away from that. You're fighting for Y and either one gets X and one gets Y or you split the baby. But the real juice, the real beauty of effective negotiation 
is when the parties are able then to share, not hold your cards so close to your chest, but come from a collaborative mindset using these simple models to be able to get solutions that are better than X and Y together. And mm -hmm. I have seen this in my law practice over again. So Roz, I would say for one thing, part of it is always owning our value, which we don't always do as women. Do your preparation, whether it's personal or professional, or even you have this branding op opportunity that comes up. We often sort of fly by the seat of our pants saying, let me take the call and see what happens. Always do the preparation. And I can share today some really simple models to help with that. Doing that preparation, I think, would have made the world of difference for how that conversation could have gone. And the other thing is being able to really know what your BATNA is, which is part of that preparation. And that stands for best alternative to a negotiated agreement. So go do a bit of homework and get some other alternatives lined up potentially behind you. Find out what else people are paying or giving or doing in the industry for these brand deals. And then know that you've got these other alternatives that allows you to show up with a little bit more confidence. But mostly it's that prep piece and reframing how you look at it. Instead of it being a, oh, they want this, it's going to be a win or lose. Think, what are things we can do mutually to make this really explode and be the best possible solution for everybody? That's where the real gold and the magic happens. So I love that. So, so um, Roz, there was uh, some time ago where I was negotiating a speaking deal um, with, with a company and they didn't have a budget to pay speakers. And, um, and so I thought about this. The very first thing I had to do was check my ego, right? <laughs> because my ego says, what do you mean you're not going to pay me? Do you know how good I, I am? Like, yeah. who, who speaks for free? Who does that anymore, right? And so, <laughs> so Roz, I see you. You're so funny. So, but, the, but then I had to step back. And, and when I stepped back, I said, okay, you don't have a budget for speakers. Let's talk about what you do have. Do you have a professional photographer on site? Do you have a videographer? Because that those are things that I would pay for. But if you're going to give them to me as a part of this package, for, for me, to me, that's worth something. Um, I also said, could I sell from the stage? Right. Could I sell books afterwards? Could I sell, you know, my programs? And so we negotiated some different ways so that I could. So what I had to do was reframe what I thought um, payment was to value. Right. And I and I was looking for value in exchange. So, gosh, we've gotten off on this. I feel like we haven't gotten anywhere yet. And we're already 30 minutes in. So I want, <laughs> I want to go to the audience and see what's being said out there. So um, so. Let's see. Uh, Tanya joined and said, excited about listening from Irving, Texas, Camden Apartments. Thank you so much for joining us. David said it's about the WIFM, right? The what's in it for me. Yeah, the WIFM is very important. And then understanding that other perspective as well, David. And Regina's out there. What a beautiful day. Sunny San Antonio. My name is Regina and I have fresh ground coffee in my cup. Stephanie, negotiations take courage and confidence to ask for more than what we think we deserve. Go higher. And as we do that, as we're saying here, it's it's collaborative though, right? Is What is the other person going to get out of it as well? So lots of comments out there. Victoria says that it, it was admirable because they listened to you. And for a lot of folks, this is not the case. But then Victoria asks the question, are they not listening to us because we're not effectively negotiating our position? Not always, obviously, um, but there are times. So, so I want to ask, um, Cindy, are there 
some specific don'ts in terms of a negotiation. So I want to go first to Marae, and then I'm going to circle around the rise and I'll come back to you, Cindy. Uh, Marae, are there, do you think that there are specific don'ts that come to mind when you're uh, negotiating? I think one one key thing is to uh, I mean to be flexible. So you don't want to be just you know one sided. You you have to come with uh, you know do your preparation and know what you are going to be able to give or to let go in exchange of something. So it has to be very clear on in in your mind. So don't be just you know one direction narrow minded and say okay this is what i i want and that that's what i did when i went for my you know for 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 my promotion say that's what i want i don't want to listen to anything else that's yeah. what i want but then you know you just realize maybe i should have seen you know first what i want to trade you know to to be able to get where I want or see if there's some something in the middle that I can you know accept as well which is going to be help you know the the my employer as well to to get something out of it so I think that's the flexibility is very important but also um being the emotional part as well don't come with you know a big big baggage you know big emotional baggage because otherwise you're not going to listen and uh, and something you know nothing is gonna happen, and by the time you realize uh, you know you you've just wasted your time really you know going into this negotiation. So those are the big uh, don't that I really think about at this mm -hmm. at this point. Awesome, thank you, Marie. So don't be rigid, don't be um, overly emotional at the point mm -hmm. of the conversation. Roz, what about you? Any any clear don'ts come to mind for you? I guess, I guess for me, um, in negotiation, I've been learning to listen to what they're not saying. Mm. Listen to what they're not saying. You know, we expect them to say one thing and they probably are, but what are they not saying? Listening, because sometimes we'll talk, they'll talk, but we're really not listening. We don't listen to what they're saying. But what else, what else is it in this program or, or, or in this contract or what else is there that's going to benefit not only you but us so sometimes what they're putting on the table is not always what they need mm, it could be some other you. things so i just i just wanted to put that out there because i have found that out particularly with a, a lot of these people coming to me now for brand deals like i said they're looking for one thing but now as, as we have talked about i have a list like a little checklist now of things that okay what about this or what you know have you thought about that and if and if you know none of that is being said in the conversation then these are things that are possibly being missed that could make our relationship better this is Roz mm -hmm. Jones and I'm done speaking <laughs> thank you Roz so um so I I think about one of the things that comes to mind for me in negotiations is conflict I feel like we we don't want conflict, right? Particularly, you know, as women, we want things to be lovely and, and even killed, <laughs> and we want it to be, you know, all sweet, and we want to sing kumbaya and all of that. Um, and so when a conflict starts, we back away from it and we feel like it's either a failure or it's going wrong. And I think in negotiation, a little conflict is okay. 
if we're if we're understanding how to effectively navigate that, right? Um, Cindy, am I off base with that? Because I think why are we shying no. away from conflict and negotiation? I I love that you've raised conflict because I do a lot of work around that. And for me, it's about reframing conflict. If you look up the dictionary definitions of conflict, no wonder people end up resisting, right? And I find in negotiations we have people either back away and women in particular but both both across across all genders and in all the spaces in between we either shy away from negotiation for exactly the reason you've seen it's like oh it's conflict i don't want that i've been conditioned to be nice to be the nurturer the caregiver or we bring that overcompensating energy like i did early in my career and neither of those serve us there's a high cost to that and it's no wonder we end up getting that fight flight or freeze response when we think about conflict because everything we've led to believe every dictionary definition talks about conflict in terms that are very physical with all these negative consequences. And for me, I'm like, why not just reframe that? Our mind is a powerful thing and our reality is determined by our thoughts and the meaning that we give to them. So why not look at conflict as a gorgeous opportunity to be able to show up and come up with even better solutions, to get to understand the other side's perspective in a different way so we can actually find what's under the surface, as Ross said, not just the stated need. If you look at an iceberg, the stated needs in most negotiations are that tip of the iceberg, the 10, maybe 20% if you're lucky. The real juice that's driving it is what lies under the surface. So being able to get really curious to ask about that is so important. And I love this. I've got sort of seven deadly sins in negotiation too. I'm happy to talk about uh, some of those don'ts. Mm -hmm. And one thing I want to ask you about that, Marae, go ahead. So one thing that I wanted to add as well, you know, which which complement what you just said, Cindy, is to be patient because it can take a lot of time. You know, it can be episode one, episode two, because especially when you have those conflict, it means that, you know, you have to rethink maybe the environment is not good. Maybe the time is not good. So sometimes you can stop and then come back, you know, to create the right environment for the negotiation. Yeah. And I think Roz really hit the nail on the head when she talked about listening, right? Like I often speak about the power of curiosity. And let's be honest, I mean, we're sort of international here, but in North America in particular, we do not listen well. And it is a problem in negotiation. And in fact, I think most people believe that the person who's talking the loudest and the longest is the person who is quote unquote winning the negotiation. And in fact, the opposite is true. When you can show up truly listening, not waiting for your turn to speak, right? Not uh, just letting the other person have their time as you're waiting to charge in, but truly listening to the other party. And not only that, but kick it up a notch. So you've got your passive listening, kick it up a notch to active listening, where you're actually leaning in, you know, you're nodding, you're giving those visual cues, you're reflecting back what the person is saying. And for two reasons, one, because we often think that we've got it right and we don't as it study after study shows our perspective taking as humans is terrible so to make sure that you've got it right and also to let the person know they've been seen and heard and a little secret sauce i'll give on that i i've coined it elevated active listening and i find to, to Roz's point it can be so powerful when you're reflecting back what the other person is saying frame back their argument or position in terms that are even more generous and eloquent than they framed it themselves. And people are like, Cindy, that is totally counterintuitive. And surely as a lawyer, you don't do that. And I'm like, yes, I do. 
not in the courtroom, obviously, but we're when we're in negotiations, when we're in mediation or settlement mode, I will reflect back their argument in the best possible light for them, even better than they framed it. And then it, it causes the person to kind of go back. And even especially if you're dealing with an antagonistic negotiator or somebody who is not listening themselves, it can really change the dynamic in the negotiation and trigger reciprocity where the person's like, wow, they really did get it. Uh, recognizing the other person's position doesn't mean you're agreeing with them. What it does is opens the floor for a more meaningful discussion. So I think you really hit on something very powerful there, Roz, about the power of listening and curiosity in a negotiation. Well, I want to I want to uh, add something. So you're probably familiar with um, Christopher Voss, um, who is a uh, he's an FBI negotiator. Um, and he did a lot of hostage situations and he investigated the World Trade Center and all of that stuff. So here's a quote um, that Christopher said that I think I want to then go into talking about why do we hold ourselves ourselves hostage in the negotiation process before we ever even get to what we want? We're already asking for less because but here's what Christopher had to say. One second. So this says the number one rule in any negotiation is don't take yourself hostage. People do this to themselves all the time by being desperate for yes and afraid of no. So they don't ask for what they really want. Instead, they ask for what they think they can realistically get. I've heard people say, well, that's a non-starter, so we won't even bring it up, right? So I love this. As I was looking at this, I thought to myself, how many times Okay, let's take a raise, for example. And I want you all to begin. If you're out there listening, think of some times when you had to negotiate or some negotiation challenges that you may have found yourself in. And think about what you did and how you handled that space. Um, and if you put yourself in the best possible position or if you down negotiated before you ever got to the table. I know the last time I was going to ask for a raise, I'm thinking, okay, well, here's what I really deserve but I know budget is tight and there's a lot going on and you know, everything is happening. So I brought it down immediately. And when the answer was yes, right away, I was like, yeah. dang it. I should have asked for <laughs> there more. Was more. <laughs> had there. So if you're out there, um, is there a time when you've had to negotiate or let me ask this, is there a question that you have about negotiation? So I'm gonna talk about down negotiating and Roz, I'm gonna come to you first about this about why do we why do we not ask for what we really want so first stephanie says um i agree it's important to go into negotiations of asking for more as well as adding value to the other party so that we both leave the table feeling good about the outcome and then amina um said well summarized and thank you cindy know your value and very true Marie. compromise is necessary sometimes and then stephanie said we tend to ask for less than our male counterparts so why is it roz that we that we don't ask for what we really want roz did you get your mute button No, it's not unmuting you. Don't you love technology when it just won't <laughs> All right, she left. She'll we we'll come them. back to her. Marae, why is it 
Why do you think it is that we don't ask uh, Marae for what we want? Oh, I, I don't know, especially women. I mean, uh, in I've seen it so many times in, in, in the oil and gas and energy sector where you have, you know, male coming and really, you know, going at it and saying, this is what I want. And it's sometimes, you know, you look at it, you're like, what? Why is he asking so much? And, he, and they get it. They get it and i think for for us women we, we just we just want to accommodate all the time which is you know so, which is not helping us because we should really look at the value that we're bringing and uh, and what it brings to the you know to to the person that we're negotiating with in in a pro especially in a professional environment sometimes we forget to look at the value that we have and really ask for this value we just want to compromise just like you said look at you know or if we're asking this but there is you know this and you know always finding excuses and that's really detrimental to any negotiation that that we're doing so i think it's it's a matter of um maybe self-esteem uh, i would say and uh and, and not really being ready to to get uh confront the to get the confrontation because it means that you know you will have to negotiate longer and really bring everything on the table it can take time uh mm -hmm. you might have a no first but you shouldn't take this no as uh, you know as the final answer and and most of the time we take the no as the final answer and uh, and that's why we avoid when we prepare we avoid to get to a situation where we know that there's going to be a no straight away so right. i think that's the way I, I i can explain it but it's just it's just so you know um so visible when you see men negotiating and women negotiating it's just wow yeah uh -huh. you know it's it's it, there's a problem <laughs> Houston, as they say, Houston, we have a problem. <laughs> and, I, and I think the gap, you know, that we are talking about the, you know, the salary gap that we, we, we really uh, advocating about, it's actually part of it. It's our own fault because we don't really play uh, big and ask for the value that we have and the value that we bring. Wow. I love that. And, and I love it. To put some context in that, 62, some studies show that 62% of men, when presented with a starting salary, will ask for more money as compared to only, wait for it, 7% of women. That is a massive discrepancy. And I love what, what the, I love what you said, Marie, so much. The one tweak I would make, though, because I think when we talk about fault, I really invite people to raise your awareness but give yourself permission, right? To reckon, be gentle with yourself because we're dealing with generations of conditioning. You think in recent, in our, in the history of the human experience, it's relatively recent history that women were allowed to vote, hold property, hold credit, even be recognized as persons in the eyes of the law in some jurisdictions. So it's not surprising. And, and not too far before that in our, in our history, powerful women who stepped into their power were burned at the stake as witches. So I, I like to tell people, you know, be gentle with yourself, but also raise your awareness because you are exactly right, Marie. Women do not ask in shocking numbers. And a lot of that is based on our social conditioning generally, generationally, as opposed to growing up being told, you know, you need to be the good girl. You need to be the nurturer. Don't make yourself, don't brag. You know, 
young boys as early as kindergarten uh, get their social status by bragging on themselves, whereas young girls as early as kindergarten get socially shunned when they make themselves larger than life. So raising that awareness about where it comes from and then making a choice that you're going to step into a more powerful version of yourself. I love that. Roz, I want to give you a chance to add to this conversation that we have on, you know, just why we as women um, don't ask for what we really want. And as Cindy said, it's really generational years and years. So Raj, your thoughts? You know, a lot of us are scared to be rejected. Rejection mm -hmm. is a sign of failure. So, you know, going into negotiations, going in and, and asking and getting no sets, sets some of us back. But, you know, I said, always say success leaves clues, failure leaves data. Let's take that data. Let's take that information and say, okay, I didn't get it this time. Where did I come short? Where do I need to improve? A lot of times when we get hit with a no, it's, it's you know, some of us go into a mental tailspin. It's huge. We, you know, we have not learned. We have been taught that failure is bad. You know, rejection is bad. It's not, it's not bad. Sometimes rejection is protection, honey. You know, at, at the end of the day. So what I'm saying is take that, you know, you know, take, you know, don't always look at being the word no or being rejected as a bad thing. It mm. could be a good thing and we just don't know it. Yeah. I'm Roz Jones and I'm done speaking. Wow. Wow, <laughs> Roz, that's huge. The rejection factor. Okay, because it feels like you're, you're not rejecting my proposal. You're rejecting me personally as a human being, right? You're, re you're rejecting all of me. And we have difficulty creating the separation that no, they are just rejecting, not even maybe the proposal forever, but in the form that it, it's currently been presented and in the way that it's been delivered right now, the answer is no, right? And then, and then that also too, an opportunity to change. Yes. And, and then also too, you know, I put in all this work for this proposal. I stayed up. I typed. You know, I went on a fast. I prayed. I did, you know, I did all, you know, I, I burned sage and, you know, bombarded heaven. And still. <laughs> Wait, still you know, still. Jesus got my back. He wouldn't let me fail. Oh, no, the proposal failed. Jesus doesn't love me anymore. He don't love me anymore. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm sinning, falling short. You know, I'm falling from grace. Child, boo. <laughs> I love it. Love it. All right. So there's a couple of comments out here. So I, there's a question. Uh, so Tongyan says, uh, how do you negotiate in a business deal when purchasing property, trying to buy a small building? So I'm going to come to you, Cindy. And in this, I would like you to bring in your model, your R-Fit model so that we can begin to get some of that into the conversation. So Stephanie, we're going to come back to that, Tonyan, in just a second. Stephanie said, less than 30 years ago, women who wanted a business loan uh, in the United States were required to get a signature from a male yeah. relative. So as Cindy was saying, right, that's not that long ago. Yeah. And there's a mm -hmm. Women's Business Ownership Act of 1988 that, um, that changed that. Um, Nusheen says, yeah, we tend to take things personally. Yes, Nusheen very personally and it's hard to let that go it really is mm -hmm. so um regina said i never thought of rejection as a blessing or a positive rods i like it one last comment michael says enter negotiations with a win-win attitude as being equal never put the other person into a not win situation 
You need to do unto them as you wish them to do unto you. Remember, you're always seeking the win-win. Thank you, Michael. Very. So let's let's go back to Tonyan's question. And Tonyan, thank you so much for that question. Um, and as we wrap up, um, you know, if you have other questions, we're happy to try to get those into the discussion. If there's something that's happening for you that you would like to ask about uh, improving your negotiation skills. So, um, Cindy, I'm going to ask you to respond to this for us and um, pull it, if you can, into the context of your RFIT model. Yeah, you bet. Um, and one of the things I just want to say on Roz's point about the failure, so true. Two, two things I suggest. One, invoke patterns of what I call failabrations. Every time you, we, we need to desensitize ourselves to it. So start celebrating the failures as the necessary stepping stones to get to success. So every time you fail at something, have a little mini celebration, a failabration about it and see what you learn from it and what you can take away. And I do an exercise often called go for no. Instead of if you're trying to sell something, for example, instead of going for those 10 yeses that you need for your quota, go for 100 no's or whatever the conversion rate is. So you start desensitizing yourself and staying motivated. A really powerful way for us to get. And know that no is for many people the start of the negotiation, not the mm -hmm. end of the negotiations. So, um, and I love the Wait, question. Hold on, Cindy. Hold on. Yeah. Okay. On this show, I am telling you, we come up with our own vocabulary, right? So I need to add that to the Coffee with Rhonda vocabulary <laughs> list. A failabration is phenomenal. Absolutely love it. And I would love to see us doing that more. Yeah, Noosh, you caught it too. So she typed it into um, the comments. <laughs> Nusheen said, uh, failabration, yes. I As soon as you said it, I was like, do, 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 do. Okay, that's the dictionary. So... Uh, Regina says, I love it. Welcome and celebrate the failures. Absolutely. Okay. I'm sorry for really interrupting you. Please. Continue. Not at all. I'm glad that resonated. I love that. Um, and I love the question about real estate because we often approach real estate from that more traditional sort of competitive model. And I'll just quickly share an example. My husband and I, we were looking for some property. We found a place up north that seemed really cool. And it was one of those, I just trusted my intuition. The people who owned, I, I made a point of finding out about the vendors as much as I could. And it was an older couple. Uh, he had built the house himself, raised a family there. And now it was just too much for them. So they were looking to sell it. So my intuition told me, come back for a second visit with my kids in tow, right? So we came, we commiserated with them about, you know, how my husband's parents, when they had to sell the family business and the family farm, they were able to pass it on to one of the boys and made a point of letting them see the kids and our, and unbeknownst to us at the time, we were competing with a large international conglomerate uh, that was going to be tearing the place down and putting a mini resort there. So, and, and again, just coming from a place of intuitive sort of feminine power on that, it turned out I had used that R fit model in the same way that I had at the hospital. So if we break it down, what is our fit? When I got tired and recognized the high cost that being a Barracuda had on me, it affected my professional relationships, started seeping into my personal relationships, ultimately affected my sense of self. I started digging and recognized if you actually look at the best, most effective negotiators, five out of six of the traits that everybody recognizes are the key traits to being a great negotiator are actually traits that people would consider to be feminine. So my R-FIT model is just A R E. FIT. Just remember, a simple acronym or mnemonic. Remember, you are fit to be a great negotiator. That may be corny, but it's easy then to remember it. So it's A-R-E-F-I-T. It's up on the screen there. Assertiveness, uh, rapport building, empathy. A-R-E, 
flexibility, intuition, and trust, FIT. I talked about in the hospital. Was I assertive there? You bet. Did I build rapport? All of these steps? Absolutely. And in this real estate deal, in answer to your question, I always start, you, the A actually should be at the end, but then our fit wouldn't work. So really you start with rapport building. So find out as much as you can in this real estate deal that's coming up to be able to build that rapport as I did with this particular seller, because then it ended up coming down. We weren't offering as much money as this conglomerate, but who do you think he wanted to deal with? He was bending over backwards because I had taken the time to build that rapport. I'd said earlier about doing your prep. Find out as much as you can, whether you're going into that salary negotiation, do a brag list for yourself. So you come from a place of confidence. And so you build that rapport, bring empathy to the table, find out their needs. And I know I think it was David who said, what's in it for me? I would say, yeah, you want to consider that, but consider that from the other side's perspective. They're going to be saying what's in it for me. So bring that empathy to the table. What matters to them? What's the deep driving why behind this? Because it's almost never just the transaction. There's something more behind any negotiation. Build that rapport, bring that empathy to the table, seeking to meet and understand the needs. That's where Roz's listening comes in so, so powerfully. Be able to be flexible. Don't just come with one particular thought because we had to be flexible. When it turned out we couldn't match the conglomerates, it was like, well, what if you did a vendor take back mortgage at 0% interest because the interest at the time was high enough? So Find creative ways. How can you be flexible to find solutions rather than just the traditional standard narrow sort of viewpoint about it? Trust your intuition and T, build trust. Once you've invoked those with intention, so you've brought empathy to the table, you've really deeply considered the needs of the other parties, you've found ways to be flexible and think outside the box with creative solutions. I've done deals since then where you buy it and you allow the person to continue to stay in the property rent-free for a period of time because then you get the equity. There's all kinds of creative solutions. And then ultimately, you come back to that assertiveness, that first A. So assertive, rapport building empathy, flexibility, intuition, and trust. And let me just say on assertiveness, our first and most important negotiation is always with ourselves. So negotiate your own mindset first. You know, Murray, if you're going in for that job salary, do an absolute brag list for yourself of all the accomplishments you've had, all the qualities about yourself, all the skills you bring to the table, tangible and intangible. So you show up with that confidence because assertiveness is not aggressive as people often conflate. Assertive just does mean showing up with confidence. And you know what? Confidence just comes from knowledge and knowledge comes from preparation. So just have some really simple preparation steps, doing your homework, building your own mindset, you know, recognizing what your fears are and how ego shows up to you, how reactivity shows up for you and how it may for the other side, and then come in to negotiate from that place. That simple model alone, if you bring it with intention, will allow you to be more influential and more persuasive. And that's what negotiation is at its heart, the art of influence, the art of persuasion. So if you get intentional, both personally and professionally, about bringing that model, you're going to get better results and outcomes for sure. And at the end of the day, what's this whole thing about getting more of what you want and less of what you don't? Absolutely. Right? <laughs> Everything is about getting more of what you want and it's beautiful, yeah. glorious life. So that is amazing, Cindy. So well done. Thank you for um, wrapping your model and responding to that question in that way. And so, you know, as I look at those comments, um, you know, I really hope, Tonyan, I hope that helped you. I hope you were able to see how Cindy was using um, the model 
um, in order to do this. Um, so uh, Noosh says, brag list. I love it. Rhonda, Cindy, Ross, Murray, you're amazing. Thank you. Absolutely. Thank you so much. So I can't believe it's almost time for us to end the show. So we got to take our coffee picture, our cup picture, <laughs> and then we are going to go. So as we begin to do this, if you're out there watching, I hope you have taken something away from this conversation. Please share with us what it is you're taking away from this conversation. What will you do differently? In other words, as we like to say, what did we put in your cup uh, during this episode? So let's hold up our cups and take our picture. Got it. Thank you so much. <laughs> and then coming on the other side of this, we're going to just do a roundtable wrap up and we're going to ask everyone what's in their cup after today. What are you taking away um, that uh, has will help to serve you going forward? And again, if you're out there watching, tell us what we've helped to put in your cup today. And we'll do that right after this. All right, so let's start our wrap up and what's in your cup. Roz, let's start with you. Tell us a little bit about what's in your cup. What are you taking away from this conversation today? I'm, I'm taking away uh, preparation and do your homework. Preparation. Mm -hmm. You know, you got to prepare yourself as well as do your homework. That's mm -hmm. what I've got in my cup. Thank you. Thank you, okay. sister, attorney, teacher. <laughs> Thank you, Ross. <laughs> Love you. I don't know. That might be a new title for you, Cindy. Add that. I'm liking it. I'm liking it. <laughs> awesome. Murray, how about you? What are you taking away and what's in your cup? Oh, there's so much. But I, I like, you know, uh, what Cindy said about negotiating with yourself first, you know, put yourself in the right place and show show up you know with confidence but also the preparation the preparation uh, i mean with the model obviously it's uh, it's better but have the preparation know exactly you know who you're going to negotiate with and have your option you know what you're going to trade and the flexibility that you're going to have so that's uh, that's what I took from the from the show today. But there's so much. I think we need number two, <laughs> a second episode. On that. Oh my god! You know, more and more, it is feeling like we cannot get through these show. These topics are so rich, and there's mm -hmm. so much to them. It, it's almost like you can't really do it justice in an hour. We try mm -hmm. our best, mm -hmm. but. There is so much more and we absolutely get that. So don't be surprised if we invite you back for a part two, Cindy. <laughs> awesome. And Cindy, so before we come to you, let's just see, there's a couple of comments out here. Um, so let's see, uh, Amina, thank you so much for tuning in. And she says, great insight. Thank you uh, to all, Marae, Roz, Cindy, absolutely. And she says, Rhonda, great show. Thank you so much for tuning in. We appreciate you. Regina says, I will seek to understand others by listening more to productive conversation. I also take away preparation. Absolutely. Uh, Mom says, and that was my sister Regina, so thank you for that. Uh, Cindy says, uh, too many wonderful gold nuggets to choose one. Great show as usual. Thank you, Mom. We appreciate you. Uh, negotiations for me is vanilla spice. <laughs> awesome. <laughs> Victoria, you're so creative. Absolutely love that. Thank you for an amazing talk. And Tonya says, and my cup is our 
fit with confidence. Absolutely. So great. I am so glad that these conversations help you all, even with these short period of time. So Cindy, why don't you round us up by just sharing uh, any last things you want people to take away from this conversation and then how people can just connect with you socially and learn more about the work that you do. You bet. Thanks so much for having me. And Roz and Ray and, and Ronit, my gosh, such amazing insights you guys have. You're already well on your path <laughs> to being super effective negotiators. I guess the thing I would leave, I talked about prep a lot. And one of the things I'll do, Ronda, I'll make sure to share with you as well. I've got some free eBooks, totally free resources. I'll flip them with you so you can share them with your audience as well. So they Absolutely. can download those for free because I talked about prep, but we didn't really have the time to go into some of those models. Um, and one thing I'd leave as well, we've talked about fears. I would say I would leave you with what I call the no fear model. So recognize what your fears are. Is it fear of failure, fear of rejection, fear of the unknown, fear of missing out, fear of success sometimes, which can hold us back as well. Figure what is your fear poison and what are likely the fears on the other side as well to be able to. So when you show up and you consider those, you can use those fears to fuel you forward. Ego, which I think Roz also mentioned, how does ego show up for you? How does it show up for the other party? And if you find you're making this negotiation all about you, take a pause, take a breath, step back and think about how you can come to try and meet the needs. What's in it for me, as David said, about the other party's perspective. A is for attachment. What are you going to be too attached to and how can you let it go? And that R is for reactivity. What are the triggers that are going to cause you to lose your clarity because you're going to get emotional? And I would say, bring the emotion to a negotiation. Bring the emotion of your deep why, but don't be emotional. So just remember that simple no fear model will take you a long way. Being great to be here. I would say the easiest way for people, if you want to reach out to me, check out my website at www.womenonpurpose.ca. That's .ca, womenonpurpose.ca. You can also get loads of free resources there about every aspect of negotiations, lots of free resources available, and the opportunity to do a breakthrough and a deeper dive. So it has been so great to be here. I love your show. Uh, love your co-panelist here as well. This has been super rich. So thank you. Thank you. Thank you so much, Cindy. Now, I really appreciate you being here. And um, the one thing that I didn't hear you mention today is um, Cindy has an amazing planner that she's designed. I'm going to mention this everywhere I am, Cindy. So you should just get Thank used to you. that. Um, Cindy <laughs> has an amazing planner that she designed with her daughter. And what I love about the planner, it's so well done, is it, it really helps you to stay focused on your goal, but it does so in an inspiration and aspirational way. So it's not about beating you down about you know what you did or didn't accomplish, but each day just gives you something to remind yourself of where you're going. So it's a great planner. Um, and Cindy, I don't know if that's available on your website also. It is. Yeah, it is. And thanks for that, actually. I appreciate that. And, and my daughter is the daughter who survived through that heart fiasco. So it has extra special meaning to me. So thank you. Awesome. Wonderful. All right, everybody, we are um, out of time for this show. I wish we had another hour to spend with you all today, <laughs> but I have put a lot in my cup around this conversation also. Um, you know, everything is a negotiation. And I think we have to reframe what, what we think we're negotiating and what we think we're not negotiating, what we are bringing, how we're showing up, all of those good things, um, and doing so with the very clear intention of becoming better negotiators so that we can get more of what we want. We can ask for what we want with confidence 
and we can get it. So that's what I'm taking away from this conversation. Mm -hmm. So thank you so much for joining us for another episode of the Coffee with Rhonda show. For everyone out there, um, we invite you back to next week. I'll be here still on location in Anguilla. So I'll be uh, doing the show from here next week as well. And for everyone out there, we look forward to seeing you next Saturday, same time, same station. And uh, for my panel, stay tuned for just a moment. For everyone else out there, we look forward to seeing you next week on another episode of the Coffee with Rhonda show. Until next time, everyone. <laughs>